Good morning, everyone. As we get ready to hear the word, I'm glad you all are enjoying one another. Our new breed members, our visitors, hope you feel loved. Before I begin this morning, I just want to say thank you to my wife who had to go to Cincinnati on Tuesday for a Judah sleep study. I'm wearing his shirt. Uh, Spoiler alert, uh, the book of Jude is also translated Judah, according to many scholars, so I'm going to wear this shirt today. But thank you, honey, for loving our family well. Uh, You are my prime rib, and uh, I'm so grateful for you, and uh, thank you all for your support for our family. Um, Good morning. My name is Pastor Lance. I'm one of the pastors here at Newbury Church, and I'm excited to say that I am one of four pastors here. It's like, uh, I don't know if we uh, like the Harlem Heat or the Four Horsemen or something, but yes, we have, uh, that's why you got that. Yes, we have four pastors here. Uh, what a joy to serve alongside um, Pastor Jesse, Pastor Mike, that's him in the blue polo. Pastor Michael Matala, and he's out completing some PhD work, uh, so we want to support him as best we can. He is on his way to Wake Forest, North Carolina, uh, to study um, for his PhD program, and so we just pray that the Lord would be gracious to him in his travels and be gracious to Aaliyah uh, and the children while he is gone, and so I accepted the invitation to preach, and so uh, it's Lance, Mark, Michael, Michael and Jesse, so you have two angels and two godly brothers, so there you go. (laughs) This morning we will take a break from the book of Judges, but we will be in the book of Jude. The book of Jude, it is the book right before you get to Revelation, right after the trio or the trilogy of the Johns, and so the book of Jude, uh, we will be reading it in its entirety this morning. So if you would please stand. I've read it multiple times, uh, so it shouldn't take no more than like three minutes. So if you have to sit down, I get it. But just in honor of God's word, reverence for God's word, we want to stand and read the book of Jude. And I hope it is a blessing to you as it has been for me. We will be reading it once again in its entirety, but I will be focusing on the doxology in verses 24 and 25. I'm reading from the ESV. Jude a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who do not believe. And the angels did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. He has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day, 
Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal life, eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts, They feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars, for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It's rough for them, y'all. It was about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all who convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against them. These are the grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage." But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him, see how beautiful that is? Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We acknowledge that you are the sovereign ruler of the universe, that your good is transcendent of our thoughts. And Father, even as we think through Jude, Father, I pray that you would remind us that it is you who keeps us from stumbling, Father, that apart from your grace that we are wandering like Israel, apart from your grace that we are lost without a shepherd. And so, Father, I pray that you would allow these words to to be true, that I speak, that you would hide me behind the cross, and that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The title of my sermon this morning is To Him Who Keeps. To Him Who Keeps. When I was growing up on the south side of Chicago, I would have friends who would get their girlfriends pregnant. There would be guys in the neighborhood who would get ladies pregnant. It could be their girlfriends or not. 
Said friends would contemplate with some of the guys in the group about, does he want to stay in relationship with her? These guys would exhaust the pros and cons of her personality, her looks, and how much he actually liked her. And let's not forget, was she crazy? Not fully comprehending that a child was on the way and that this child was his son or daughter. Naturally, this would lead to a discussion about fatherhood, jobs, housing, and the overall status of the relationship as it pertained to their future. At this point, after all options were exhausted, you can imagine this, someone would give the great wisdom of, it's cheaper to keep her. What this means, for those of you who don't know, is that a man would weigh his financial situation as it pertained to remaining in relationship or not remaining in relationship with the mother of his child. The consensus conclusion by the group was that, it, was that if he remained with her, she then could not pursue him for child support. Child support would come out of every paycheck per the application she would file with the state. That would be, that would be a significant amount of his paycheck. And if he did not pay her from his paycheck, he would go to jail, which would stop the paychecks. Conclusion being, said gentleman with the child on the way would come to the conclusion that it was cheaper to keep her. New breed, brothers, sisters, friends, visitors, I'm here to tell you today that as we look at Jude's epistle, the brother of Jesus, the brother of James, we can have full confidence that the Lord saw us in our brokenness and knew it would not be cheaper to keep her. He knew it would cost him to keep her, his church, and he did. Church, I'm here to tell you that it is God who keeps us from the worst of us and allows us to see the best of him. It is God who keeps us from the worst of us and allows us to see the best of him. Look at me again to the doxology in verses 24 and 25. Now to him who was able to keep you from stumbling, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. My first point this morning, we are kept from disaster for delight. We are kept from disaster to enjoy delight. Verse 24, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Jude is one of the smallest epistles in the New Testament. I think it's in the top three for small books of the, small books of the New Testament. Jude introduces himself as a servant of Jesus and the brother of James. If then Jude is the brother of James and James is the brother of Jesus, as we saw in Matthew 13, 55, we can deduce that Jude or Judah in the Hebrew, is also the earthly brother of Jesus. And so that's who's writing to us, the earthly brother of Jesus. Jude may be brief, but it's quite sobering in his tone, as you heard. Jude's epistle was written initially to a group of converts to encourage them in regards to their salvation, as we see in verse 3. But Jude had discovered that there were some individuals who crept in and began to practice false teaching, that this false teaching... I'm sorry. Jude realized that there were men who crept in who began to practice false teaching. And this false teaching was not without consequence, beloved. He addressed this in verses 1 through 4. 
Jude sees some of those who crept into the church as an area of great contention and a matter of great spiritual concern. As a response to Jude learning about the false teaching, he charges his audience to to verse 3. It says, contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Jude is serious about charging the recipients of this letter to contend for the faith because he knows that there are those who are souls who are at stake. Jude lays out in verse 4, the ungodly are kept from judgment, are kept for judgment. Let me say that clearly. He lays out in verse 4, the ungodly are kept for judgment. He says that these false teachers have crept in and have denied Christ with their sensuality and describes them as ungodly. Verse 3 and 4 reads, Beloved, although I was very eager to write you about the common salvation, so he wanted to write them about what they had already um, believed in, But I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout the epistle, Jude makes several Old Testament references, as we saw earlier, where individuals have been led astray by not taking the word of God seriously and not believing God's word as a fact. That's news for us this morning. Everybody is kept for something. It's just a matter of what are we kept for. And for the believer, Jude says, we are kept from stumbling to be presented in his presence. So as we are kept from stumbling, how do we do that? Contending for the faith not only keeps us from destruction, but it keeps us for his glory. Church, when I read this text, I thought about what we are kept from and and what we're presented to be. But I can't help to think about a wedding for a moment. I want to take us to a wedding. I love weddings. I see a bride with a dirty dress, missing teeth, a disgruntled face, and a bad attitude. Real musty. And if that isn't enough, she's got a man outside waiting to take her home after the wedding that isn't the man she's going to marry. After her husband takes off the veil... She sees that it's Jesus. She says, I'm old. He says, don't worry. I'm the rock of ages. She says, I stink. He says, I'm the Rose of Sharon. Stick with me. Your life will be a pleasing aroma. She says, I'm homeless. He says, so is I, but let me be your dwelling place. She says, but I have a boyfriend. He says, I am faithful when you are faithless. I can keep you. Beloved, the goal is not to keep yourselves without fault. The goal is to enjoy the fact that there is no condemnation, as Romans tells us, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Blameless here doesn't mean without fault. It just means that when you stand before the Lord, he will not see you in all of your guilt. That's the presentation. Not that we will be without fault, but that Jesus already died for it. If you are here today and you're feeling the weight of your sin, feeling the shame of your sin, overwhelmed by your sin, then look at Jesus. As we see him, we start to look like him. Joy will not be found in us trying to keep ourselves. As we see him, we start to look like him. Joy will not be found in us trying to mask our sin. Joy will only be found in the unadulterated worship of the one who can keep us for him. Keep us. Will he do? Yes, he will. But not only will he just keep us from falling into sin, and that picture of keeping us is something that is already happening, already happened, that's happened, and that will happen. 
Not only will he keep us from falling into sin, deep sin, but he can keep us fixed on him. Not just saving us from something, but to something. To be presented to the presence of his glory. To be presented in the presence of his glory. That is our hope. That is our future. So when this bride has acknowledged her sin, when she has humbly submitted herself to the keeping embrace, to his keeping embrace, we find things are a little different. As she hides herself in him, in his embrace, she starts to look like him. She starts to smell like him. She finds she no, no, no longer wants the boyfriend who's outside. Her mustiness did not bring her shame. She's smiling even with the chipped tooth. She's not thinking about toying with his emotions. She's experiencing joy in the deep affection he has for her. And she can't wait to spend eternity with him. But he doesn't just say, I do. He says, I am. That's us. We're the bride. If you haven't gotten it, we're the bride walking down the aisle. Not quite right. We don't quite smell right. We don't quite really want to commit to the person we're going to marry. We still have uh, boyfriends on the side. We still have other things that vie for our attention and emotions and joy. But he says, I do and I am. That is us. All of us. The bride who reluctantly walks down the aisle with baggage with all of our funk. And Jesus says, yes, let me tell you, it is he who keeps us from the presence of his glory with great joy. That is my first point. Point number two. I only have two points today, so y'all might be lucky. (laughs) Not only does he keep us, but he keeps on keeping us. Don't miss that. He keeps, he, so he keeps us to be presented for his glory, but he keeps on keeping us. We need to hear that this morning. Verse 25, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. This begins Jude's concluding exhortations. This is good news. After all of that judgment that you saw, Jews speak about to not only Israel, but the, the non-believers, the false teachers. After all of that judgment, we're about to see some glory. In verses 6 through 16, Jude lays three biblical examples of how instead of contending for the faith, people departed from the faith and incurred judgment. In the first example, angels failed to keep their proper realm with God. And they wanted to come to earth to have sexual relations with the women And they were eternally judged for that. Hence, reminding us that even with our position, our privilege, we are not exempt from the judgment of God. And they were not exempt from their sin. The next example Jude gives us is those who depart from his ways, referencing Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 18 and 19. These individuals indulge in sexual immorality and deviant sexual behavior. And because of their sexual immorality, they serve the punishment of eternal life. These false teachers then that Jude refers to that have crept into the church. He relates their actions to the impurities of those that have gone before them. Their immoral behavior is reminiscent of those lived out in the Old Testament examples I just gave you. They reject authority. They're accused of slandering God's truth. Let me say this another way. That can be us. 
lest we not check ourselves. I'm not saying that you can lose your salvation. I'm not sitting here saying that, that you're not saved. But I'm saying, brothers and sisters, let us not be taken away by another word or find ourselves greater than what we actually are. So in light of these false teachers living in sexual morality, denying the authority of Christ, and being marked by rebellion and incurring eternal judgment on themselves, how do we keep ourselves in the love of God? How do we guard against false teaching? The first thing we do is we yield to the scriptures. Hebrews 4.12 tells us, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, and piercing the division of the soul and spirit, of joint and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. It'll get you. Brothers and sisters, this is where we begin. We let the word read us. We let the word cut our heart for where it needs to bleed. We let the word inspect us, evict us of sin, and convict us of his truth. False teaching needs to be met with faithful teaching. False teaching needs to be met with faithful teaching. If you hear a saying and you're not sure if it's true, see what the Bible says about it. Does this reflect the character of Christ? John 1, said, John 1 reminds us that Jesus is the life and the light that lives in the heart of man. And the light will always pierce through the darkness. The light will always pierce through the darkness. May we have a worldview that begins with creation and ends with restoration. May our story be a retelling of his story. So what do we do when it's a brother or sister who has embraced false teaching? Jude calls us to snatch them out of the fire. Brothers and sisters, I, I am not ashamed of this because I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, but, but I can remember in my mid-high school years, I would hope, I think this is before I knew Jesus, um, I was introduced to, to playing craps, a dice game. And so um, a friend of ours who was not a believer taught us how to do it because we were just athletes and, and kind of lame. And so once we found out how to do it, it became kind of addictive because you could just earn a few extra bucks for your McDonald's money. And so one day, um, we knew that our best friend, whom's house, whom house we did this at, his mom would not be too pleased if we were caught doing this. And so we went into the garage while she was away from the house, and we began to start a dice game. And I believe, if my memory serves me correctly, my best friend, whose house that it was, was on the come up, meaning he was taking people's money. <laughs> he was on the come up. And so I can remember maybe somebody had some music playing. So we're in the, they're in the middle of the dice game, and I'm like broke. And so out of nowhere, the doors fling open. His mom walks into the garage. She snatches him up. She snatches the money. She snatches the dice and kicks everybody out the house. She didn't come in and talk to us. She didn't come in and reason with us. She didn't... <laughs> Y'all found that funny. I didn't think that was funny. She didn't appeal to our good nature. Beloved, as my friend was snatched up pretty intentionally, I'm not going to say violently, it might have been violently, as my friend was snatched up pretty intentionally by his mother, we are not only to snatch our brothers and sisters 
that are in the fire, but out of the, out of the fire, but anyone else who we see stumbling into judgment. This snatching is not a gentle plea. This snatching is not a wait and see. This snatching is, I don't know their heart. Only God knows their heart. This snatching does not look like a universal agreement that we are all God's children. This snatching is not an aggressive, this, sna- no. this snatching is an aggressive act of mercy. We act with urgency and love mercifully. We act with urgency, but we love mercifully. If you have a doubt about a brother or sister's discretion in teaching, snatch them. Be merciful. If you're concerned with a brother or sister, what they believe, and see see its effect in their lifestyle, snatch them, but be merciful. If myself, Michael, Mike, or Jesse ever say something that indicates we are walking away from faith, snatch us in mercy, with mercy. Be merciful. Brothers and sisters, we talked about contending. We talked about stumbling. We talked about snatching. Now let's talk about keeping. In light of all the false teaching, in light of all the immorality that Jude's audience was experiencing, in light of all the judgment, it is him who keeps you. This is not a work hard lesson. This is a, it is a him who keeps you lesson. You heard the term, he's a keeper in our society. So we went, we talked about it's cheaper to keep her. That's nonsense. But then you've heard the term, he's a keeper. This may mean that he has a good job. This may mean that he has a five-year plan. This may mean he has a 401k. This may mean that he's polite and rarely late. This may mean that he teaches his community group. This may mean he may know somebody uh, and goes to somebody's uh, special church that's renowned. But I know somebody, and he's a real keeper. Jude says he's able to keep us from the deep patterns of habitual life sin. He's able to keep us from being swayed by false doctrine. And he does it all according to his marvelous attributes. Ladies and gentlemen, he's a keeper, and let me tell you why. He's got all the glory. He's radiant in his full expression. He is the epitome of light. He's majestic, which means you won't believe that there's another man like him out there. He's got dominion. Everything you see, he created, and he owns all of it. He ain't making no payments on it because he paid for it in full one time. This is the triune God of the universe. He's a keeper, and he wants to keep you. And just in case you're still out here thinking, how can you go home and salvage this thing and keep yourself Let me read you your track record. Adam couldn't keep Eve from partaking of the fruit that would bring sin into the world. Abraham couldn't keep Sarah from being taken by a foreign king after he lied about her. Lot couldn't keep his wife alive when she took a look down memory lane. Jacob couldn't keep Leah from feeling unloved no matter how many kids they had. Hosea couldn't keep Gomer from running right back to the life of lifeless lovers. Ananias... Sorry, brother. Ananias couldn't keep Sapphira from damning both of their lives with lies. Peter couldn't keep his mother-in-law from getting sick. Wait, I ain't done. And Joseph couldn't keep Mary from fulfilling centuries of prophecy and promises. That's your track record. That's my track record. We're going to fail. We can't keep ourselves, let alone other people. Other people, let alone ourselves. Okay, so let's talk about his track record. He kept Adam alive after chaos in paradise. He kept Noah during the flood that covered the entire world. He kept Abraham as a true father to many nations. He kept Jacob in the family line even after his lies and deceit. He kept an entire people 
people group through the faithfulness of Esther. He kept the Moabitess woman in covenant family through the demise of her husband. He kept his people in line with a cloud by day and a fire by night. He kept in three He kept the three in the flame so they didn't even smell like smoke. He kept Peter from drowning in his own despair and denial. He kept the law and the prophets perfectly, and he kept his word on the cross, just like he said he would, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And hallelujah, saints, he don't care what it costs. He's keeping you too. God keeps us from the worst of us to see the best of him. Let's pray. Father, I am so grateful that, that you've given us your word to see how you keep us. And Father, may we leave this place not trying to keep ourselves, not trying to do the right thing, but we abide in you, that we would know that it is you who keeps us. And not only do you keep us from stumbling, Father, but you, you present us as beautiful, as marvelous in the presence of your glory, that we can enjoy that. We can have a a life that we can look forward to kept in you, that we can't keep our bank accounts in check, we can't keep our family in check, we can't keep our hearts in check, we can't keep our mental health in check, Lord. But I pray that you would remind us that it is you who keeps us. It is you who guards us. And Father, even now as we close out, Father, I pray that if someone doesn't know what it's feel like to be kept. If someone is here this morning under the sound of my voice and they don't know you, that they would see the beauty of Jesus and what he did on the cross, that God created the world in perfect beauty and delight. And because of Adam and Eve's disobedience, they have to be separated from God. And that's a picture of us being separated from God for all of eternity. And we deserve death. And Father, it's not something that we can just conjure up a good relationship with God. We can't just give so much money away and have a great relationship with God. We can't just do nice things and have a relationship with God. But it is only when we yield to what Jesus did. He lived the life that we could not live and died the death that we deserve. And so, Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I pray that it have gone out and done its work, that you are a keeper, and that you keep us from the worst of us in order to see the best of you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. At this time, brothers and sisters, we will prepare our hearts and continue in worship for the Lord's table. Now, as we do this, we are remembered what Paul says. We remember what Paul says in Corinthians. He says, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took this cup and he took this bread as a remembrance of him. But before we do that, let us examine our hearts. So as we listen to the song, let us take a moment. Just, Lord, examine me. As the psalm says, search my heart, O Lord. May the Lord search your heart and see where you are trying to keep yourself. Not that you can't take this meal, because we're all broken, but I think it is wise that we just examine our hearts and, and want to see him. And if you're not a believer as professed by baptism, if you haven't given your life to the Lord through baptism, then this meal is not for you. But take the one 
who can keep you for all of eternity. And if you want to know more about that, you can talk to me, Pastor Michael, or Jesse. But in this moment, let us go to the one who can keep us and just reflect on on what he did for us on the cross. Father, you are holy, and we stand in awe of you. Father, help us to not only see your beauty, but to to want to be embraced by it, that we would not believe the lies of this world when, when they say Christ isn't real, God isn't real, I can love the way I want to love. Father, and even we don't have the words to say, we know that you are keeping us. And may we be mercifully, lovingly willing to snatch those out of the fire who don't believe, Father. And so, Father, as we continue in our worship, Father, I pray that you remind us of how good a keeper you are, that you keep us, even in light of our brokenness, to see your beauty. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.